0: I'm gonna try and catch us up a little bit by, uh, my talk is only gonna be about 15 minutes, and it's really an update for you on where we stand with legislation to help our patients. So, I do wanna point out, I had the opportunity to go to D.C. last October, so I'm right in here, and I've learned a lot in this past year about how legislation works. Um, between this event and being on the board of the American Society of Transplantation, and working with our lobbyists. And on a personal note, my daughter graduating from Hastings and now working for a state senator, I've learned a lot about how legislation works. And it's been quite an eye opening experience. OK, so what do we want for our patients? All of us really want access for transplantation, uh, ability to refer, uh, good organ allocation, access to actually transplanting the patients immunosuppression coverage for greater than three years. Uh, most of you probably realize that patients only have immunosuppression covered coverage under Medicare for the 36 months post-transplantation, and then protection for living donors. So this will be a short presentation, it's really an FYI. So a reminder of how a bill becomes a law. This is a, like gestating elephants, how long this takes to get anything done. It takes a long time to get a bill passed into law. So somebody has an idea, it gets introduced, it goes to committee. I've learned that it dies in committee a lot, as my daughter has taught me a lot about her committee meetings just at the state level, and that the vast majority of things seem to die here. If it makes it there, it needs to make it to Congress, and it has to pass both the House and the Senate, and then it has to get a, a stamp by the president. So this is a long process. So the purpose of our AST, the American Society of Transplant Leadership, uh, visiting Capitol Hill is for a few things. Educate lawmakers on the urgent need to address the Medicare 36-month immunosuppression drug coverage. This has been dismal. Um, and we see, just this week I had somebody who's losing her kidney because she lost insurance coverage and now has both a uh, cellular and antibody-mediated rejection because she didn't take any meds for three months. Last month when I was on, had the same thing. Somebody didn't take any of their immunosuppression for three months because they ran out of insurance and they don't know what to do, even though we tell them to call us. Um, AST also wanted to garner support for the Living Donor Protection Act and to bring uh, continued awareness on Capitol Hill about what the public policy challenges are and deterrence for living donors. So the immunosuppression bill, like I say, just dating elephants, you could have had several generations of elephants in the time this is taken to go through. First introduced in 1985, um, and they uh, went to the Senate and it was read and put on Committee to Labor and Human Resources and died. It was referred to um, Committee on Energy and Commerce and died. reintroduced in '97, again, died. Um, The problem is that most ESRD patients are Medicare eligible, and their benefits run out at 36 months. And in the past, this has failed because they can't get past the cost of immunosuppression. Uh, Every time it's been presented in committee or made it to either the House or the Senate, what has happened is that they look at what the cost of immunosuppression is versus dialysis, and they say, oh, immunosuppression is so expensive. Nobody's ever in the past considered what the cost of a graft loss is, and they have not considered what the benefit is of having somebody come off um, social security uh, disability benefits by having a successful transplant. So the Immuno Bill is now being reintroduced, and it seems to have a lot of support this time. It's a comprehensive immunosuppression bill introduced back in 2016. It's being reintroduced uh, by Senator Burgess now, And what this says is it wants to indefinitely extend Medicare coverage for immunosuppression drugs for kidney transplant recipients. Sorry, liver's not in here right now, but this is for kidney transplant recipients. And Secretary Azar has provided a cost analysis. This is the first time I've seen a cost analysis done for this. And this is the um, um, planning and evaluation uh, for the Health and Human Services as assistant secretary, and what they have done is they've done a cost analysis of what it would take over 10 years, what would be the benefit of providing additional immunosuppression for the life of the transplant, and some of this takes into consideration that as generics become available, immunosuppression is becoming less and less expensive. In addition, the averted cost of returning somebody to dialysis, it takes time But eventually, over the course of 10 years, they get to a point where it'll save $74 million for the government if they would just cover immunosuppression for life. And there's a lot of unknowns in here um, that probably would make it more cost effective earlier. But this looks like it may actually pass in this coming Congress, but that's always a little hard to predict in our current climate. So I'm not gonna get into too many political comments about that. The other thing that they looked is what is the average cost per year for patients, and returning to dialysis is $116,000 the first year, followed by $91,000 in later years, as opposed to covering immunosuppression at the cost of about $3,400 per year. So this looks like, I think they've got the right people on board now, that it looks like this might actually pass this time, but we'll see, keep your fingers crossed. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the Living Donor Protection Act, which this looks very promising. We have found out that about 27% of living donors have trouble securing and paying for insurance, that being life insurance, disability insurance, a uh, medical insurance after donation. This is a paper published in AJT in 2014. And about 6,000 living donors per year are um, performed, but patients are being added to the wait list. You can see the um, numbers that Dr. Fries presented. We're adding patients at a rate far faster than that. So we need to protect the living donors so that we can promote this. We have sponsors that are both, this is Congressional as well as um, Senate, and they have both uh, Democratic and Republican supporters, so this looks like, this really looks promising and looks like it's gonna go through probably with this um, session. So Living Donor Protection Act looks very promising. Um, It provides, um, what prohibits discrimination of life, disability, or long-term care insurance for living donors. It amends the Family and Medical Leave Act, so it includes living donation, and directs HHS to update their materials to promote living donation for companies and to support this. The last thing I'm gonna talk about, and this is a lot more of a political hotbed, and so again, I'm gonna stay out of politics. Um, This is the Patient's Demonstration Act, and I didn't realize until I was researching this, even though I've read this bill at least five times. It's the Patient Access to Integrated Care Empowerment Nephrologist Treatment and Services. So that came up with a little acronym of um, patients. This was introduced a couple years ago and it's really been promoted by DeVita and Fresenius. And it sets up umbrella care coverage, which sounds great. It's cost containment, um, but under participating dialysis units and it covers Medicare A and B. It gives the participants covering the patients full access to basically dictating all of their care and they receive upfront monthly payments for assigned beneficiaries, including the ESCO payments for dialysis. The impact on transplantation is that the dialysis units are responsible for making referral to transplantation evaluation. And there's a lot of concern about unintended consequences in that there is no requirement for them to refer patients. And in fact, there's a financial disincentive for them to refer for transplantation evaluation. In the law, or in the bill, it's not a law, it's just a bill, it says that they will assure the minimum, and this is the part one of the things that bother me, minimum number of patients are being listed for transplantation. The other thing is that they it gives them purview to decide who is to be a transplant candidate versus not, and that should really come under the purview of the, the transplant centers evaluating the patients, not the medical director of the dialysis unit waitlisting and transplantation rates will be monitored, which is somewhat reassuring, but I don't believe it. Um, there are conflicting opinions about this bill, and what I want people to be aware of is that who is opposed to this bill is American Society of Transplantation, the American Society of Transplant Surgeons, American Society of Nephrology, American Association of Kidney Patients, and in that first picture I showed you, um, had our, our lobbyists for AST, as well as president of AST, myself, and two patients that were representing um, the AAKP. Undecided and kind of sitting on the fence is National Kidney Foundation and the Renal Physicians Association. And who is in favor of it clearly is Davida and Fresenius. So really, this is really what I wanna to bring to attention is be aware of bills that are out there that it can affect your patient's care because these are important issues. And I think my last slide is, as uh, Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local. I'm not going to tell you how to vote on anything, I'm not going to give you my opinion on it, but I can tell you that this is an important bill, and I strongly recommend understanding what this is about, and if you have the wherewithal to contact your uh, congressman or or, um, representative, let them know what this impact could be on transplant patients. That's really all I wanted to say about be aware of where politics are for um, legislation that's affecting our transplant patients, and hopefully the immunosuppression bill will pass, and the Living Donor Protection Act will pass. I hope this does not pass. So that's a, that was just a quick update on legislation, and I'll get us back on track. So any questions about these two or three bills? Okay.